I'm Leanne Finley-Maxwell here with Panther City Partners Podcast. I'm a personal development coach focused on working with people navigating life's transitions. Remember, the only constant is change, but you don't have to go it alone. This week, we're talking with Lauren Lysine, a marriage and family therapist. Hi. Hi, welcome. We're so excited to have you here today. Thank you. So as we were chatting a little bit before we started, um, we, you were talking about some of the clients that you've been working with le- recently. So maybe you can give us a little bit of an elevator speech about what you do. Sure. And then we can go from there. Okay. So as you said, I'm a marriage and family therapist. I work with individuals, couples, and families. Um, currently, I'm working with thir- age 13 and above. Mm-hmm. So I'll work with adolescents and their families. Mm-hmm. And then I do a lot of work with couples. And then oftentimes, one of the two people in the couple wants right. to come in for individual work. Okay. Um, so it's a big variety mm-hmm. of topics that I cover. Yeah, that does sound like a lot. And maybe just a brief, how did you get into that? Well, uh, my husband and I did premarital counseling. Oh, wow. And so you were 17 like- years ago. And I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever done. I was originally a social worker. Mm-hmm. And then after we did that, I um, said, you know what? I'm going to go back to school and get a degree in clinical psychology so I can do this with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and premarital couples are one of my favorite couples to work with. Yeah. Um, before all the problems become too big, you can get a hand on it and and work on it before it's a true issue. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so cool that you experienced something and had such a great experience with it that you decided that you wanted to do that yeah. with your life. Very yeah. cool. Thanks. So in, so tell me a little bit about some of these clients, the, the types of clients that, that you're working with yeah. these days. Um, I've had an influx recently with uh, pregnant women, mm-hmm. some of whom are, you know, not at all surprised that they're pregnant and mm-hmm. some who are like, oh, this is a new a new oh, element to our life that we just have right. to find a way to cope with. Um, I also work with a lot of people who inevitably end up having loss in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they come to me for anxiety reasons, but then while we're working on that, mm-hmm. you know, someone passes away and then they're forced to deal with that too. Right. So I see all types of transition from sure. early life to, mm-hmm. to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and the I, types of transitions that people choose and also a lot of times when transition is thrust upon you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the smaller transitions, you know, like going back to school or mm-hmm. coming back from vacation, those aren't really things that people would typically come in for. Right. Those just happen to be side notes that we might talk about okay. for like five minutes. It's mm-hmm. more the bigger mm-hmm. things that were, mm-hmm. unless of course they have um, a child with, with difficulties behaviorally or mm-hmm. mental health. And so then school transitions are a much bigger thing. Sure. Um, so it's a big range. So when you're talking with parents about working with students or younger students that have some of these differences, mm-hmm. how do you help them navigate those? Because, you know, when, when people set out to have children, they have this idea in their head of what a child is, their child is going to look like and mm-hmm. be like. And we often picture something with this perfection idea in yeah. mind. And when your child doesn't live up to what you thought was perfect, that can be a difficult transition. Yeah, well, a lot of parents actually have uh, struggles with guilt Oh, when it comes to that. Interesting. Like, did I cause this? Did I do something wrong? Was it my genetics? Was it my mm-hmm. actions when they were born? Mm-hmm. So we have to talk about taking away the guilt piece of it. That mom guilt starts early. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it, like in utero. Right. Um, and then once the, the guilt is kind of processed, you can start focusing on all the contributing factors. I see. Um, and then 
kind of breaking it down and seeing, well, which of these contributing factors are there resources that we can utilize Mm -hmm. to help us Mm -hmm. cope and deal with those Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't feel like it's all on us. Oh, yeah. That's good because you've got to use your resources. You Mm -hmm. can't you cannot navigate that all by yourself. Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit about some of these clients that are navigating pregnancy because you know most of the time if you're in a relationship you Mm -hmm. think when you hear that someone's pregnant your initial reaction is congratulations such a wonderful thing yes but that's not always the case no and i'm surprised how many people i have right now that are pregnant and concerned about like the fact that they are pregnant and what's going to happen to the relationship after the baby comes so a lot of Maybe because I've I've had more premarital couples in the past who were trying to get pregnant mm-hmm. and they were super excited when it happened. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the couples I have now are really concerned about how it's going to change their relationship mm-hmm. after the baby comes. Mm-hmm. Wanted or wanted. Wanted or unwanted pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I obviously try to get the partner to come in. Sure. But that's not always possible. Right. right. And the times the partner doesn't come in, I'm a little bit more concerned. Sure. Um but all I can do is, you know, give tools and strategies mm-hmm. and hope that they can share them at mm-hmm. home or, mm-hmm. or use them in a way that's helpful right. to both partners. Right. Um, so we talk a lot about expectations versus reality mm-hmm. and how things might shift. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of a lot of different conversations that come with that. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I was trying to get pregnant with my who is now 10 year old, mm-hmm. 10 years old child. We were so excited about it. We didn't really stop and think about um, how it was going to change our relationship. And I often think that um, I am not necessarily excited about stereotypical gender roles, mm-hmm. but here I am in a marriage that's been going on for almost 15 years. We have two kids and we are stuck in very stereotypical mm-hmm. gender roles. And I yeah. sometimes I look around and say, how did this happen? Well, Neither I mean, one of us wanted right. this, but here we are. Well, and there's some evolutionary yeah. factors sure. at play there that sure. we unfortunately can't get away from. Right. Um, but we didn't have a conversation about it, you yeah. know, and I think that that is what I'm uh, what I'm trying to get to here is that like these people, whether they wanted the pregnancy or not, the fact that they're having a conversation about expectations yeah. yes. within your marriage and knowing that it is going to change mm-hmm. your relationship definitely changes. Um, so what are some of those tools and strategies that you give them? OK, so one of the because that clearly yeah. I need to talk <laughs> about them. So one of the I don't know if you can picture like a grid mm-hmm. or a graph with a X and a Y axis, right? And so on one of the axes is um, closeness Mm -hmm. and on the other one is flexibility. Mm. So the tool, like the worksheet that I use, the title couple and family map is at the top of it. Okay, Researchers all over the world and in all different capacities have used this couple and family map Mm -hmm. to kind of grid, look at the grid and map out where a couple and a family are. So we try to figure out how closely connected the couple is, like whether... Or the family, whether mm-hmm. they eat meals together mm-hmm. or if they go to their own separate rooms to eat I see. And, and figure out where they are on the closeness okay. axis. And then in flexibility, how flexible is a family? Mm-hmm. Um, are they able to, to trade roles? Like if one right. parent is ill, is the other one easily able to pick up the responsibilities right. versus how inflexible they are? A lot of um, really strict parents struggle with mm-hmm. getting out of routine or, mm-hmm. or rules that are very... Something rigid, that just rigid, yeah, yeah. It just goes outside what they, what their norm, right? Mm-hmm. So we kind of map where they are, okay, and then we talk about where they want to be. Do they mm-hmm. want to be more flexible? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, one partner wants the other one to be more flexible. Mm-hmm. So then we talk about, well, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. How could you be more flexible? Mm-hmm. Would that mean 
having a Saturday where you don't look at a clock at all. Would that mean letting the more spontaneous partner plan an outing for the family and everyone going along with it and Mm -hmm. having to be okay with it? Mm -hmm. Right. So we think about strategies based on where they want to be. Right. But I also make the point that when a baby comes into the world Mm -hmm. or someone dies, right, that couple or that family unit shifts Mm -hmm. out of one quadrant or square into another. Oh, either in the closeness or the flexibility. Or both. Or both. So if you think about like when a baby is born, Mm -hmm. a couple is most likely going to have to become more flexible. Right. With waking up in the middle of the night and those kind of things, going to doctor's appointments. Mm -hmm. And most of the time they become closer. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. We hope. Right. Right. Anyway. That initial burst of love and affection that when a new baby is around. Mm -hmm. So that person's going to shift to the upper right. Mm -hmm. They're going to be closer and more flexible. That that unit, that Mm -hmm. family unit. But then... After things settle down, we tend to go back to where we, where were, we before, were, but before. not exactly the same. Okay. So there's, you know, a lot of cheesy metaphors in there, yes. right? And a lot of sayings that have come from this, but the research shows that that's true. Mm-hmm. So we do shift back to where we were, but we have to proactively keep doing things mm-hmm. to keep ourselves flexible or to keep ourselves more connected, mm-hmm. like weekly date nights and mm-hmm. things like that, mm-hmm. that a lot of us just forget to implement. Right. Because I mean, you get so, so, yeah, you get so busy wrapped up in the day-to-day interactions with the kids and their activities and work mm-hmm. and I've got to get food on the table and I've got to get the laundry done yeah. and, you know, those kinds of things that you forget to do. And it's not even that, it's not a conscious choice of like, I don't want to spend time with my spouse. It's, right. I don't have time to or spend. Or forget right. to make right. the time. Right. And so the neat things about transitions are that's the time when it's easiest mm-hmm. to bring in new routines or, right. or new, new strategies, strategies. yes mm-hmm. um, because things are already changing so if you make mm, another yeah. change it's easier to incorporate it right so i try to frame it in the positive yeah no that's a really great, great way to think about it couples and families who mm-hmm. are bringing a baby into the world mm-hmm. whether it was a surprise or not right they can still make changes in a way that they want to right and then maybe people have more of a sense of control over it right right because having that sense of control whether it's actual control or just a, a thought of control yes can be helpful which is the reason that most people experience anxiety during transition right. anyway right because they don't things are happening that feel they like don't. they have any control right so um another i guess important thing is is reminding couples and normalizing the anxiety that comes with it yes every transition is likely to have anxiety whether it's a positive or a negative right. one like if somebody's getting married it's a it's a positive stressor right but they're still gonna feel anxious about right. it right so normalizing that. I think that that normalizing thing is so hard because when we do get into the busy workaday life of managing our families and our spouses, that we get into these little silos where we only talk to the people who are in our immediate family. Mm -hmm. And I find that so frequently when I go and have, you know, an outing with my girlfriends and we start talking about things, I'm like, oh, we're all dealing with this. It's not just me yeah. and my spouse. Yes. We're not the only crazy yeah. people. We're everybody's crazy. everybody's having trouble. That's right. Yes. Everyone's having trouble. And it's also nice to hear how they navigate it because that's going to help me inform how I'm going to... Maybe I, there's some things that I could do differently. Well, yeah, it's a third party right. You know, p- position or, or viewpoint right. that maybe you hadn't thought of before. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like hearing... I like hearing those. A neutral third party. <laughs> yes. Or maybe not so neutral. <laughs> if it's a friend and they're like, well, that sucks. It's yeah. nice to have that support. Right. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, so when, so that's about like the beginning transitions and those, but those transitions that include losses that mm-hmm. sometimes losses are expected. 
if you have a, an older parent who's been going through. Yeah, and if they've been on hospice. Right, yeah. right. But then a lot of times there's losses that are unexpected. And tragic, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and though that transition is hard in a different way okay. from bringing a baby sure. into the world, right? Because most people are pregnant for about 10 months. Right. They lie when they say it's nine months. <laughs> I know they do. It's 10. <laughs> Some of us 10 and a half. Yes. <laughs> and so you you have this like due date. Like right. you know when it's going to happen. There's an expect, expected point. There's a goal mm-hmm. that we're going to get yeah. to. And mm-hmm. if it's before that, like you've already started planning for it. Right. But with with loss and, and death, it's often you can't, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Even if someone is on hospice, you right. don't know the exact date. Yes. Right. And it's so it, it feels um, like you're less in control. Although right. Giving birth can feel that way too. <laughs> yes, it so, can. <laughs> so dealing with loss and grief also becomes a challenge in the sense that it, it hits people so much differently. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so does postpartum things. Yes. But the, the loss can become very difficult to navigate and mm-hmm. that transition can be much longer than people think it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it hits people out of nowhere. Right. So... A lot of times it's it's uh, normalizing the the grief and the, mm-hmm. and figuring out what the stage of grief that someone is in. Right. And even that, you know, there's like the five stages of grief. Right. People hop around from it. They don't right. go in it's order. It's not a line. Yes. <laughs> They'll bounce back and, mm-hmm. and be all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's also difficult for the family members. Sure. Who aren't as affected by the loss. Mm-hmm. Right. So if it's someone. Why can't you just get over this? We've yes. all moved on. Yes. Why are you still here? That's something that. um a lot of couples deal with mm. and that I work with. Yeah, because they're both of those, the two people in that couple are dealing with the loss in a different way. And mm-hmm. one of them has transitioned through those stages in a different M- and much quicker. Right. Yeah. And they can't understand why this other person is still stuck back over here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had a lot of that recently too. And then the individual that's struggling more with the loss will end up coming in for individual sessions, mm-hmm. which I think can help because then they yeah. have that neutral third party to talk right. to about their loss without feeling guilty right for still feeling that way right yeah mm-hmm. so that transition is is hard i don't specialize in grief um sometimes if it's really complex grief or a really traumatic event i'll refer out because that's mm-hmm. it can be so complicated sure yeah mm-hmm. i'm thinking about that you've used this word normalizing things a couple of different times um and and Mental health is something that is way more on people's minds these days. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that maybe you do in your practice or with your colleagues where y'all are trying to help normalize even just coming to a therapist in the first place, an individual or family coming to see you? Because I imagine, especially in couples, that there's usually one person who is more into it. Even if they both show up, there's mm-hmm. one person who it was her idea or his idea to show up. And yeah. So what, what are the, some things you do to help them normalize just being there? I actually check in with them at the end of the session. Okay. It's like even premarital couples, mm-hmm. but all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so was this what you expected? Right. Or different than you expected? I asked the exact same thing when I had my coaching clients. Yeah. <laughs> and most of them will say, I guess it's better than I expected. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, if it's like some people feel intimidated or mm-hmm. worried that they're going to hear things they didn't want to hear. Right. But if you can connect with the client mm-hmm. and... You know, they're able to laugh a couple times in the session right. and realize that nothing scary is happening. Mm-hmm. Then they end up appreciating it mm-hmm. um, and not feeling so scared about right. it. And it's really neat when I have clients that initially I'll kind of 
try to tip my toe in the water and be like, is there a chance that you're dealing with anxiety about that? Oh, no, I'm not anxious at all. And then like five months later, they're like, I had no idea how much anxiety I was dealing with. I'm so glad I came here. And so it's nice to be able to see that it does take time. But eventually people will get there where they can see like, oh, maybe this is something that I should work on. And it's okay. Right. That I'm dealing with. Right. Right. I think so often when we hear anxiety, we think like anxiety has to be to the level of panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not having panic attacks, then I'm totally fine. fine. Yes. (laughs) But not really. Yes. (laughs) Well, and some people have a hard time separating the difference between feeling stressed Mm -hmm. and feeling overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and having true anxiety. Right. Right. So those are all kind of different levels of what people experience. And and a true diagnosis for anxiety Mm -hmm. is not that difficult to to get. so a lot of people are more anxious than they realize, I guess. Sure. But it's just hard to to break it down into, am I just stressed right now or is this anxiety? Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I, I'm thinking about as a parent, because I'm starting to see some different, you know, um, traits in my kids. I was talking about this with a previous guest about how, you know, they're now they have these personalities mm-hmm. <laughs> and they used to just do what I said. Yes. <laughs> And now they don't. Yes. Isn't that fun? <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but how can I, I'm like, I'll give you an example. The other day, um, my daughter wanted to spend the night with a friend. And I'm usually, I'm usually not very spontaneous. I usually want to have that planned out very far in advance. That's how I grew up. Like, you have to plan this in advance. We're not just going to spring this on. Mm-hmm. But this night, there was no reason why she couldn't. I said, okay, sure, spend the night. And so she spent the night. We did some stuff the next day. And then that evening, we had a meeting that we had to go to. And, and my spouse and I both had to be at the meeting. And so the kids had to come with us. Mm-hmm. And she got really upset about if I had known yesterday that we had this meeting tonight, Night, then I I wish you'd have told me. And so she was having this anxiety and just like probably sleep de- deprivation from spending yeah. the night yeah. of, about like having too many plans. And I am, we are the family of yes. We say yes to a lot mm-hmm. of things and go, go, go. But I'm trying to help her navigate. She has good boundaries mm-hmm. most of the time. Um, and how I'm trying to help navigate, like seeing her deal with some of this some of this, I mean, I would put this under the category of being stressed and overwhelmed, yeah. but I can see that if I didn't help her with those strategies now, yeah. we could get to anxiety pretty quickly. Yeah. What are some things that I can do so, for her as a parent? One of the phrases I've started using with my children lately is I try to validate them. Yes. And I don't feel like it sometimes. I'm like, I yes, know. it does. I like it. I'm sorry. That does stink that we have to mm-hmm. go to this meeting. Mm-hmm. However, you have to find a way to cope. Right. Okay. So I said that to my my daughter the other day, mm-hmm. same age as right, your daughter. Right. I don't remember what. Oh, she admitted that she was worried about going back to school mm-hmm. and she was throwing a big hissy fit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just sat here and talked to you about it. You got to find a way to cope. Mm-hmm. I have to go do something else. Right. She came downstairs and went outside to go pet the cat. Oh. In my head, I'm like, that's a really good way that to cope. A, yeah. To go pet an animal. Right. I don't remember ever specifically saying, that's here's a, some coping. Right. Go pet an animal. <laughs> go for a walk. <laughs> I mean, you could have that conversation sure. with your child, but mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. excited that that's what she chose to do. Yeah. Like, that is a good. It's a really so good. So that's become mm-hmm. my new phrase. And like when they're it. older, they're probably going to hate that phrase. Sure. But that's what I'm using now. Okay, that's great because that's what I did last night. I said, I know, I I know this is rough. Mm-hmm. I know you're upset about this. It sounds like you're really upset about this. Yeah. We still have to go. Yeah. <laughs> we still have to deal with it. Right. <laughs> and if you choose, 
And even as parents, well, I guess we feel it more the mm-hmm. older we get. Mm-hmm. When you go do something and you have fun the night before, yeah. and then you still have to do the day's <laughs> grind the next day, like you pay for it. Yes, you do. Yes. And so they're that's most a good time, skill to learn early. Kids can bounce back. Right. 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 But yeah. So that's that's one. Um, another one is maybe helping them recognize mm-hmm. when they are feeling tired or when they are feeling hungry. Right. It's really hard for it's kids so to regulate hard for them. them to regulate themselves. So if they know that they're tired, well then bring okay. a book. Right. And you and can sit down. and read mm-hmm. or lay down mm-hmm. during this meeting mm-hmm. unless she's Right. to participate no, she didn't she, okay. she that's exactly what she did she laid down and read a book for there an hour <laughs> and did you tell her to do that or did she well we always whenever we go places my kids are both readers or colorers and mm-hmm. so I, I always try to make sure I pack your back bag for activities like you need a you have i can't it's not my job to entertain you i've yeah. always said that it's not my job to entertain you yeah. so bring some stuff to entertain yourself yeah and so she did bring books and then she sat and and read the whole time yeah it was great mm-hmm. good Mm-hmm. It was really good. Oh man, I just thought of something that that totally slipped my mind that I wanted to ask you That's about. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, was it about kids and transitions? Well, it or? was about transitions, and it was about thinking about them having um, their own. Oh, I was thinking about my son who not being able to regulate himself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I even forget to regulate that that they have those needs of like food and and sleep. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I've been a mom for over 10 years and feeding a kid three meals a day is hard, (laughs) especially in the summer. I'm like, why can't humans have two meals a day? Right, right. (laughs) But I've especially noticed that about him, that sometimes when he is in one of his big overwhelmed you know, he's really frustrated and I think he's just acting out. I have, that's one of the first things I have to ask myself is when was the last time he is ate? Is he tangry or hangry? Right, right. He is usually hangry. And <laughs> yes. if I just get him a snack, everything comes down. But it it's it's it can be rough as a parent when I'm also in my own emotional yeah. or whatever upheaval to remember, oh yeah, yeah, he needs to eat again. You know, he's 10, so he eats a lot these days. Yes. <laughs> so the smaller transitions. So right. they're I guess in a weird way, the coping is remembering to have a snack or right, yeah. right, right. And I did that so much better when they were really little. I really packed that bag for snacks, but mm-hmm. it's getting. I I have kind of let that wane a little bit. Yeah. So it's like teaching him to to regulate himself, but also remembering for me, like, hey, yeah. they still need snacks. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Mama still needs snacks mm-hmm. too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you. I get a headache if I start. Yes. I start to get a headache too. And that's only happened within the last few years. And so still, still sometimes um, I'm confused by it. I'm like, wow, why do I have this headache? Or why do I feel so weird? And then I realize, oh, I have not eaten today. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I should do that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, When you were talking earlier about, I don't remember which of your kids, Mm -hmm. you mentioned how it was hard for you to be spontaneous. (laughs) Did you did you notice like the flexibility yes, scale? Yes, the flexibility. And I meant to scale. say something. Uh-huh. Yes, I was like that's a really good example. Yeah, it is of how mm-hmm. the flexibility scale comes into play. Right, it does. Because yeah, sometimes I'm really spontaneous and flexible, but certain things I am very rigid on, and I'm trying to be better about that. So my daughter's birthday is coming up, and she really wants to get her ears pierced. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up, my sister and I were not allowed to get our ears pierced until we were in the fifth grade. Yeah. And um, I've, I've, that's what I've always told her. If you want to get your ears pierced, we can do it when you when you turn, you know, when you're in the fifth grade. Yeah. But one of my best friends just took her three year old to get her ears mm-hmm. pierced, and now my daughter's like, "Wait a What's minute, up here!" With that? <laughs> and so I really had to go back and reevaluate my own, like, what is my thing about fifth grade? And I realized it's really arbitrary. You know, like I think my mom at the time was thinking she. 
and this is me too, really. She did not want, she did not, she had three kids and she did not have time to take care of our pierced ears. So mm-hmm. she wanted to make sure that we were old enough and responsible to enough to clean, care, yeah. clean them ourselves. Um, and so that had kind of been my idea too. But things are a little different now. I mean, when they pierce them, it doesn't take as long for them to mm-hmm. heal. And so um, I had to go back and reevaluate. And finally, I was like, okay, if that's what you want for your ninth birthday, we can do it. I yeah. can be more flexible. Yay! <laughs> so I'm, I'm shifting myself around. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but it takes, you have to you have to be able to have the time to 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 mm-hmm. to reevaluate yourself. Well, and the awareness. Right, the awareness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't. And then if their spouse tries to point it out depending on how they point it out, that does not it can be really well. upsetting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's true. another strategy when we're talking about okay. transitions mm-hmm. and going from, you know, one quadrant to another being mm-hmm. more flexible and more connected. Mm-hmm. Um we have to talk about how you share that with your partner. Yes. We have, my spouse and I have a lot of tone of voice issues. <laughs> <laughs> I feel totally confident admitting that we both have that same issue of tone of voice. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and I tell everybody I work with, it's not what you're, or not, mm-hmm. it's not, it is both mm-hmm. how you say it and mm-hmm. what you say. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to track both of those it things. Is. So, and during transitions when we're already feeling anxious, right. we're even less likely exactly. to monitor our tone mm-hmm. or the wording of mm-hmm. what we want to say. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard. But yeah, practice helps. Right. Exactly. Practice helps. So if you can practice those, m- being mindful of your tone of voice and the words that you're saying in lower stake transitions, mm-hmm. like getting ready for school or going back to school after the summer, mm-hmm. then once you've practiced those in those low stake transitions, it's easier to to go, revert back to those. Mm-hmm. It's like muscle memory. You know, if you've, if yeah. you've practiced something over and over again, when you get in those really stressful situations, you don't have to think about it as much. Mm-hmm. It comes easier. Yeah. So I'll have people practice in my office Oh, good. and okay. say like, when we're out in the real world, mm-hmm. like you've already practiced, I want you to keep practicing in like mm-hmm. silly ways or right. what feels ridiculous. But then the more that you do it, mm-hmm. the easier it becomes. Mm-hmm. So the classic, I wish statement, right? I wish this could happen next time and that mm-hmm. would make me feel blank. And then the other person repeats it back okay. and then they can say their own I wish statement right. if it's different. Right. Um, but that's that's one of the number one things I do with couples and families mm-hmm. so that they can have that communication tool to utilize during difficult right. moments. Right. Transitions or not. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's very cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, um, we've you've you've talked about your kids just a little bit and mm-hmm. so since it's kind of back to school time right now what are some things that you guys are doing to get ready to go back to school actually last night my husband and I were laughing because it was like 9 45 and we we're like <laughs> we were gonna have the kids in bed at 8 30 <laughs> what happened <laughs> yes yeah like parent fail <laughs> so um we're supposed to be putting the kids in bed at 8 30 but mm-hmm. we were both being flexible last right. night and had some time to like go to the grocery store mm-hmm. before we went home. So we mm-hmm. took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to get like back into a routine mm-hmm. earlier on is right. a lot of people have that. You yeah, know, that's common right. sense for most people. Right. Um, and then a lot of times things like going back to school shopping or picking out like a new right. backpack or something like that is kind of like a, a reminder for the child. Right. Like, oh, it's that time of year again. Right. And so they see all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having the I think it's great that schools do the back to school yes. nights where you meet the teachers. Right. 
Those aren't and nice. get your schedule. Mm-hmm. So then they know what to expect. Right. So then there's less nervousness about On that what's first to come morning because mm-hmm. they've already been there and met mm-hmm. the teacher. And they've got the chance because we live in a neighborhood where they don't necessarily hang out with all their friends who go to their school. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice that back to school night is nice too because then they can see some of their friends that they've yeah. been missing all summer. And yeah. then they're like, oh, yeah, I do want to see her again or see so him again. Our society already mm-hmm. kind of takes care of some of that for us. Yeah. Like all the signs are up at the stores back to school. Right. <laughs> Yeah. But it's then happening. Yeah. But then the routine is kind of on yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's harder mm-hmm. for some people than others. It is. Yeah. I've, you know, in years past, I've been so much better with getting back into the routine quickly. But I am having more, I am busier with my own work right now. And so I have not been as good about getting them back onto the routine. Mm-hmm. And that is one of those things that, that, you know, uh, mental and emotional labor in our in our relationship that kind of mm-hmm. falls on me. And so I'm thinking, oh, Monday's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. It will. <laughs> yeah. But it'll happen. It will. We Either have to way. figure out how to cope with it. Yes. It's going to happen. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Whether we're ready or not. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband made a point last night, too. He said, you know, if we get them to bed when they're supposed to be in bed, we get more free time That's for true. ourselves. I'm like, I know. I'm, I know. I really like the 830 thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> do you have a pretty strict bedtime during the school year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do too. Yeah. And we can mm-hmm. tell if we don't. Like, yes, we, yes. they're affected a lot. Mm-hmm. And some kids are more flexible than others. Right. And it doesn't bother them as much. Right. But others are. Ours happens the next morning. That's when it's the hardest. They do not like to get out of bed. It's so interesting to me how they can get out of bed with a smile on their face so easily on Saturday mornings, mm-hmm. but super early, <laughs> 30. Yeah. Super earlier than they need to be up for school. Yeah. But man, a Wednesday morning, they just want to sleep in. Like, sleep where in. was this on Saturday? Right. <laughs> I could have slept in on Saturday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to say thank you so much for your time today, Lauren. You've given us a lot of really good strategies to think about. And I do think that the main thing that I feel like I've gotten out of this conversation is just to normalize all of those feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we do get stuck in these places in our relationships where we feel like we're the only people going through this. Mm -hmm. But to hear that whether it's premarital counseling, later marital counseling, Mm -hmm. if it's before um, a a happy occasion, if it's before uh, a not so great occasion, Mm -hmm. that there's there's pieces in there that we're all struggling with and that it's okay for us to acknowledge those pieces. Mm -hmm. And then we can figure out what we want to do with it next. Yeah. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having thanks, me. Yeah. Thanks, listeners, for listening. We really appreciate Remember to go download, listen, like, share the, the podcast. Uh, you can find it on all of your different podcast play- platforms. So please check us out. Remember, the only constant is change, but you don't have to go it alone. <laughs>